This podcast has been produced as an educational resource for health professionals. It is recommended that people with concerns about their vision and eye health seek care from an appropriate health professional to support accurate diagnosis and management of any conditions. Welcome to the Optometry Australia Institute of Excellence podcast. We are committed to offer you quality, personalised education via a range of media, and every episode of this podcast will be worth CPD hours. Your host is Optometry Australia's Professional Development Manager, Simon Hanna. In each episode, Simon will be joined by a variety of interesting guests to discuss an array of appealing topics. Enjoy this episode of the podcast. Welcome to another Institute podcast episode brought to you today by Optometry Australia's Institute of Excellence. Optometry Australia are really excited to bring you this channel of shorter CPD modules on a variety of different themes and topics across the sector. My name is Simon Hanna, the Professional Development Manager at Optometry Australia, and I'll be your host today. We're really pleased to have uh, Mei Chong with us today. Mei Chong will be discussing um, her work and, and service, I guess, in a, in, in, a, in, in a public health setting and the work she's done over her career in this public health setting. May is a clinical optometrist. Uh, she has a special interest in the fields of low vision, paediatric optometry and ocular disease. Uh, she's an experienced clinical instructor uh, and actively involved in clinical research as well. May has presented lectures, workshops and tutorials to many audiences, including optometrists, students and other allied health professionals. Um, at a national level, a national level classifier with the Australian Paralympic Committee, May is involved in the evaluation of vision impaired athletes. Uh, currently, May is the lead optometrist, clinical teaching and manager um, of low vision services in the clinical services division at the, at the Australian College of Optometry. Welcome, May. It's nice to have you with us today. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. Alrighty, before we kind of launch into kind of, you know, all the amazing things that you're doing, why don't you give us a little bit of a background in terms of your sort of professional practice and, and, and sort of, you know, what your journey's been over the years? Yeah, sure, sure. So after I graduated, I took up a clinical residency in what was then the Victorian College of Optometry and is now known as the Australian College of Optometry or the ACO. Uh, and that's where I've stayed ever since. So the ACO is a not-for-profit organisation and we provide public health care. So in doing the residency, I was allowed to study more. I completed postgraduate diplomas. I uh, did the graduate certificate in ocular therapeutics and I gained experience in general and advanced care clinics. So the residency just allowed me to experience that full range of clinics. So I, I dabbled in contact lenses, ocular diseases. I did disability and outreach clinics and low vision and children's clinics. And then uh, after that, I, I kind of honed in on my particular, particular areas of interest uh, being low vision children's and ocular diseases services. All righty, cool. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I remember going through uni with you, May, so we went through at the same time and we even started at the college at the same time. We did. And I guess it, it was, um, it, it, it seems like a long time ago now, but look, I mean, um, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our cohort and most of the, most of our colleagues that went through with us at the time, um, obviously what happens is straight out of uni, you get, you know, lured into sort of quite lucrative positions you get offered you know jobs even before you graduate um, but you've decided to kind of stay in public health so you know what what sort of what sort of made you choose that path or really sort of you know I guess 
pushed you into that kind of field to stay in that field? Yeah, look, so I suppose initially I wanted to learn more. I wanted the opportunity to really challenge myself as a graduate optometrist. And really, I, I suppose I, I didn't really want to be stuck in refracting every day. So I wanted to have that variety. And it seemed the best time to do it was straight after graduation. So mm. it's never too yeah. late to, to join in public health. It's not never too late to, I guess, specialise, even though that's not a, a thing we say in optometry. But I, I felt that at the time, uh, still living at home, um, cooking was all done for me. It was yeah. much easier to I sure. suppose, uh, make that uh, commitment yeah. to staying, staying on at the college because as, as it were at the time uh, a lot of our undergraduate training if you recall was done um, at the VCO Correct. it yep. seemed to make sense to stay on um, almost like doing graduate work but not doing graduate work yeah yeah makes sense it's uh and so I guess that sort of um, it was a, a good opportunity at the time and then from there it sounds like you yeah. found your feet particularly in the area of low vision yes that's right it's it's quite niche low vision and I, I suppose the the economics of it is that it doesn't often work very well in private practice so it seems yeah. to work best uh, with the non-government organizations and uh, with the tertiary care sector so that's working with Vision Australia or Guide Dogs Victoria in, in Victoria yeah. and it just seemed to be a really good fit for me I, I enjoyed the yeah. work. Um, so the two things that stand out to me is, is one you're right the business models of, of current practice probably don't support you know, spending 45 minutes with a patient, you know, with low vision. And it's really kind of a, it's it's something that obviously requires a lot of time and a lot of kind of patience in terms of being able to kind of get through each of those individual clinical services you're trying to provide. And the other thing is, I guess, is low vision isn't really going away. We, you know, we've still got such a high prevalence of glaucoma, AMD, diabetic retinopathy, leading causes of blindness um, in kind of first world countries. So it's kind of, it's one of those things that still, I guess, we, we forget that they're still quite essential services um, and, and not sort of, not just something that, you know, we were taught at uni and sort of, you know, put on the back burner. Yes, definitely. Look, the, the fact is that the Australian population is ageing and we know that the, the big three causes of vision impairment in the Australian population are diseases of ageing. So that's macular degeneration, yeah. uh, cataract, and uh, either diabetic retinopathy or glaucoma, one of those two mm -hmm. next in that yep. uh, predominant cause. And so, look, they're all there. They're all there. We, we expect more patients to have low vision uh, in the coming years. And I think optometry is well placed to at least start providing some of that Absolutely. in yeah. private practice. So yep. I'm a big advocate for that. But I do acknowledge that some of those um, higher end interventions, the more expensive interventions and the more time consuming ones, as well as the integration with other rehabilitative services really does seem to find a home in public health. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's a really good point. Um, look, mate, you know, we've just discussed, I guess, kind of the whole kind of, you know, altruistic kind of, you know, the vision and the goal and how amazing it's been, the work that you've done. Yeah. But no one is to say that's without its challenges. I'm sure, uh, you know, we can we can spend a bit of time discussing sort of, you know, how, you know, there are, there are certain, you know, kind of days and, and and patient groups where you must find that this kind of this kind of work or this environment is can be challenging is that fair yeah I, I think that's very fair look I, I suppose there is an element of altruism in working in public health 
um, because as you alluded to before, the remuneration isn't as high as if you were in a, a country or a corporate practice. Uh, there, there are benefits too, though. Uh, so the, the opportunities that are afforded to me, um, I, I can also pass some opportunities on to patients. So I'm in a position yep. to provide um, eye care to patients who are experiencing disadvantage and that they often have comorbidities. They have poorer health literacy. There's a lot more going on. So mm -hmm. they have very complex eyes and they can be very complex people as well. And, and therein lies the challenge because yeah, okay. they have trouble accessing mainstream health services at times. We, we do yep. see patients who can't afford or can't get to other healthcare services. So that there is that challenge there. We also see patients who um, come from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. So it's not just a language issue. Sometimes we'll have an interpreter and realize that, no, this, this patient is not understanding what's going on and it's not a language issue. It's more a cultural issue. Yeah, okay. So you do become uh, a bit more experienced in that and you, learned, you learn little workarounds, just like yeah. we all do. Um, any optometrist would be pretty good, I think, at, at working around. But they're just a little bit different when the patient's not really speaking your language. Yeah, yeah literally or metaphorically, you're right. Um, right. So do you often find also that some of the barriers could be the fact that patients just don't know what's out there? Like they don't know what they don't know. So you might, they may not know that there are services that can support them, whether that's services that are vision related or, or otherwise. Do you feel like there's an opportunity in your work to really be able to sort of pass that information on and really support people more sort of holistically? Yes, I think so. Look, to be honest, um, a lot of what we do is deloading the public health care system, the hospital system as well. Because yeah. as you know, there are a lot of patients who can't afford ophthalmology care, uh, who don't, and who, who don't access um, the hospitals very, very well. So pandemic yeah. was a fantastic example of how patients with chronic eye diseases, for, for example, glaucoma, just were lost to review. And they've never been, sometimes they're, they're still catching up at the hospital. Yeah. Uh, and optometry provides a great safety net public or corporate or private optometry can provide a great safety net for those patients. We, we work closer with those communities. They feel more comfortable with us. They can usually get in with us a little bit earlier than yeah. with public ophthalmology. And I think for patients who are, an, are unable or just really unable to afford or access private ophthalmology, optometry provides a good pathway for that co-management and- uh, Yeah, absolutely. That's, 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 you make a really good point. I know the college was involved in a number of kind of um, collaborative pathways with like sort of referral in and out of the INE with kind of cataract surgery and glaucoma clinics and those sorts of things. Um, and really it's, it's a good utilization of the workforce, you know, in what would otherwise, as you say, they would get lost either in the system or they'd be sitting on waiting lists for years to have just a general diabetes check when they don't need to be at an outpatient clinic. Um, and I think yeah, I think the college does certainly bring some some of that back to back to earth and, and, and raise that awareness amongst amongst patient groups that really need it. So I think that no, you, you, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, can you tell us maybe what's one of the been one of the you know, biggest highlights of your, your career in public health? Yeah, look, I, I think discussing the ACO clinics and discussing what we can offer to patients and also to practitioners. Uh, in terms of uh, furthering their own education or just being able to experience the work. So I've presented at conferences in um, New Zealand 
and interstate. Um, and I suppose there are a few patients who really stand out as well. Like it's, sometimes it's those yeah. small interactions that make a, a big difference and realising that um, a, a good consultation and good care provision has found something and has actually saved someone's vision or, or made an impact on their, their quality yeah. of life. Uh, I think that goes back to what we were just saying. It may not be one major highlight, but those those minor interactions with patients that would otherwise have not received care or potentially didn't realise that they could get, you know, get the care or be able to see with a simple cheap pair of glasses that would, you know, change their lives. That that's got to be rewarding in itself. I remember even in my time at the college, it was it was it was those little it was those little interactions with the with the you know, little old grandmas or grandpas that kind of just just needed to just needed to be able to you know read their newspaper or whatever it might be it, it's that kind of thing isn't it mate yeah definitely and you know every optometrist can do it because the power of refraction like 50 percent of vision impairment is caused by refractive error crazy right so that, that's uncorrected refractive error found in yeah. um in the most recent uh, national eye health survey so yeah. all of us can be doing it and um yeah refractions are bread and butter that's what yeah. that's, you know it's what we should be doing and that's what we do do and it makes such a difference for every patient. So I suppose every optometrist in a way is practicing some element of public health. I love that. I, I love that that phrase, power of refraction, because often refraction has this kind of nasty connotation to it. Like, oh, you just you just a refraction or, you know, you just refract every day, but but you're right. I mean, it, it, even that makes a big difference um, and, and everyone's sort of contributing at the same, to the same, I guess, to the same outcome. Um, okay, so we haven't got a lot long to go, but well, I just want to throw one more at you, mate, if I can. This is probably one that's um, for probably for our younger listeners, but um, at this stage, there are some students that have got a couple of months before they graduate, you know, they might already have jobs lined up or they're looking at jobs, they might be listening to this podcast. Um, they may not want to do refraction every day. They might not want to work in a retail setting every day. What advice do you have for kind of young students and even early graduates, some people that are out for a year or two and go, well, you know, I've done this kind of, you know, corporate life, I want to do something different. What advice do you have? Yeah, well, I would encourage people to try. The thing about public health is um, there, there aren't a lot of organisations doing it, but there are quite a few and we have a lot of staff. So we, we have a lot of people on our team. We, all, we very often have locum or sessional opportunities. I, I think it's never too late to start. And I've seen some fantastic optometrists who have um, come back to public health after <laughs> some time out. That's a hint for you, Simon. Yes. <laughs> um, and um, I've seen, you know, people come back years, um, decades later. Yeah. And so it's never too late to come back. And it's never too late to give it a try as well, or never too early as well. Yeah. It can be a challenge. But I think optometrists are pretty up for challenges. We, we're pretty versatile bunch. Yeah, we're yeah. a pretty versatile bunch. And we're a pretty um, ambitious bunch as well in terms of wanting the best for our patients yeah. and wanting to provide that health care. And I, I believe a lot of our sessional staff probably see their work at the ACO as a combination of altruism on their part and an opportunity to learn that they may cross subsidize by working in a, a corporate or private practice yeah. yeah and and i guess the i'm just following on from that um you know those that do want to you know, dabble or, or try it out it doesn't necessarily have to be kind of you know um you know at the college per se like the college has a number of different kind of branches they do homeless outreach into kind of indigenous yeah. work there's 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 a lot of other areas isn't there when it comes to kind of that public health work that you know, the college does 
Yeah, the, most definitely. So it's not all at Carlton. Uh, we have metropolitan sites as well, uh, yep. spread throughout metropolitan Melbourne. Uh, and we do do work in Aboriginal communities throughout the state. Yeah, okay. So there are lots of opportunities to travel. So mm. it's usually the younger optoms who like to travel. Um, yep. No, less commitments at home, I think. Less, uh, less homeschooling to deal with. Absolutely, yeah. No, look, that's um, that's been that's been really insightful, mate. We really do thank you for kind of joining us as a guest on Institute Podcast today. Uh, and I hope you know you've been able to inspire with your you know, nearly probably more than two decades now of working public health, being able to kind of inspire, not quite, almost there. Um, yeah, the um, I guess the, our listeners, particularly those that are keen to kind of maybe try something different or really kind of give back um, in their in their profession. So thank you again for joining us, mate. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Simon. No worries. And for all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in again. We look forward to bringing you more on Institute Podcasts in the weeks and months to come. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Optometry Australia's Institute of Excellence podcast. Don't forget to navigate to your CPD learning plan on optometry.org.au to write a reflection on this episode. To find more podcast episodes, visit the Institute of Excellence online at lms.optometry.org.au. We welcome your feedback on this episode and any subject matter suggestions for future podcast episodes. Please send your feedback and suggestions to national at optometry.org.au. Stay tuned for more in the weeks to come.